This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. We're talking Brewers baseball today, this Tuesday, December 5th, with Adam McKelvey, our Brewers reporter for MLB.com. Adam, we thank you so much for the time. And uh, the big newsmaker this week is uh, obviously a guy that uh, does not play or has never played in the major leagues. That will soon change, of course. Uh, Japanese phenom Shohei Otani narrowing his list to seven teams, of which he will play uh, for in 2018. The Brewers, unfortunately, not on that list. Uh, they are one of the 23 teams that Otani said thanks, but no thanks to. Uh, what were some of the measures that the Brewers were planning on taking to kind of to kind of woo him? Because I know that you know a lot of teams are feeling uh, kind of left high and dry that they have this big these big pitches and proposals ready to go. And Otani just said, I have no interest. So what was the Brewers' reaction to that? <laughs> well, look, I mean, David Stern says he respects the process. This was obviously a unique situation. And, look, the player has the right to do this process the way he wants to do it. I mean, he's giving up $200 million to uh, come now. And I think the Brewers respect that this is the way he wants to do it. And they weren't among the finalists. I mean, they did send in, obviously, the questionnaire. Every team we assume did. The Brewers sent along some multimedia materials. And, and look, they have a, their pitch just centered around basically that uh, it, this is a young, ascending team. Uh, he would get to play 81 games at a, uh, a ballpark. That's a really great place to uh, play for a home player in the Dome and uh, really favorable conditions. Even visitors love coming to Miller Park. Great place to hit, a team that needs pitching. Um, and, you know, they put together the best pitch, and it, it wasn't enough to uh, get among the finalists. You know, I, I think their feeling is he and his representatives probably had a pretty good sense of what the final teams on that list were going to be. Um, but, look, every team was given an opportunity, and uh, the Brewers just weren't, weren't on the final seven. And uh, one team that is on the final seven, to a lot of people's surprise, a division rival in the Chicago Cubs, as the other uh, six teams play for uh, West Division teams. The Rangers, not a West Coast team, but they obviously play in the AL West. So the, the Cubs are, uh, you know, the, the team that kind of stands out amongst uh, those seven as a team of the NL Central. When you look at the, uh, you kind of, you know, get the pulse of the fan base right now. Is the Brewers fans feeling okay? Well, if we can't have them, the Cubs better not get them either. <laughs> well, they're getting a double dose of that right now because as we speak, uh, Giancarlo Stanton, it looks like he's down to Giants or Cardinals. And I think there's an even stronger feeling uh, among the fans here against the Cardinals after all the pain they have caused this fan base in Milwaukee. And so, you know, if the Cubs get Otani and the Cardinals get Stanton, I don't know, it's going to be a dark Christmas here <laughs> in Milwaukee. But what can you do? I mean, those teams are making their best pitches for either player. And um, if you're a Brewers fan, you just got to deal with it. And David Stearns has said that all along. Just from a broader point of view, you know, the Cubs look like they're built to be good for a long time. But the outlook 
I think from inside the offices in Miller Park is all you can do is build the best team you can build and try to build it to be have some sustained success. You can't necessarily make moves or react to what the division rivals are doing. And I think, you know, the fans, it's, that's easier uh, to do maybe when it's your job. For the fans, it's a little more difficult to do. But, but look, that's the only alternative. You can freak out about this and it'll drive you crazy, or you can just, you know, sort of cross your fingers and hope he goes out west. Yeah, and I mean, I, I think that's uh, Giancarlo's preference is to go to the Giants, but the Cardinals are still certainly in the running. And, uh, you know, look, the team that spent the most money this year did not win the championship, the Dodgers. You know, the Yankees didn't win it either. The Astros didn't spend a, a ton of money, but, you know, it's it, there are no guarantees. You know, even if Giancarlo goes to St. Louis, even if Otani goes to the Cubs, no guarantees. Put the best team on the field that you can and let the chips fall where they may. And, uh, Adam, to kind of wrap up the uh, Otani discussion, I want to get, you know, all the reporters' takes on this. We've heard so much hype about Otani, a lot of it justified. You know, he does have the triple-digit fastball. He does have the power from the left side of the plate. But, you know, sometimes there is overhype. You know, we heard about the the gyro ball from Daisuke Matsuzaka. I still don't know what the hell that is. But it never came over to the major leagues when he signed with the Red Sox in 2007. Some guys do live up to the hype, you know, Hideki Matsui, Ichiro. So I guess on that scale, in in your eyes, where does Otani fall? Are you buying into the hype 100% or do you have some reservations? No, I am buying 100% into the hype All because right. to me, you know, Japan, okay, I, he's, I don't think he's going to be Babe Ruth. But I don't think he has to be Babe Ruth because at the very most, the outlay for whichever team gets in is going to be $23 million, $23.5 million. For $23.5 million, I mean, you can get a nice number three starter for two years, or you can get this kid who might be great for six years, and even if he's not great, he's going to pitch for you and hit for you. Uh, he's going to sell a lot of tickets for you. He's going to you know, make a lot of uh, money for you in merchandising. I just think this is just a win, 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 win for whichever team gets in. So in that sense, the hype is, to me, pretty certain to play out in favor of the team, whether or not he actually becomes the next coming of Babe Ruth. Yeah, and it's going to be fascinating, too, to see, you know, with whatever team signs him, how they will deploy him. You know, how often does he hit? You know, will he be a starter? Will he be a reliever? You know, that that's an option, too, I think. Uh, and so- I think I think on that, Matt, one thing is, you know, everyone may be overthinking that a little bit at this stage. I think it's going to just be, what's he good at? Yeah. You know, nothing, there's nothing to say that just because you set a plan to woo him uh, that involves this many starts, this many at-bats, this many days as, for in the case of an American League team, as a DH, this many days in the field. You know, that, that I think, I think everybody, including the player and his representatives, will... Uh, can see that that plan can be changed along the way based on what he's successful at. And it's in his interest to do whatever he's most successful at the most amount of time, because then he, when he finally does get to free agency and really cashes in, um, he's going to want, you know, his best foot forward. And, and that's, that means sort of going with whatever you do better in major league baseball. Yeah. It's going to be an ongoing process. You know, he's not going to be locked into any, you know, one or two or three things. You know, it could start out one way, but then as the season you know, progresses, you get to the all-star break, you kind of figure out, okay, he does this better than that, and it's going to be an ongoing process to see just where he fits in best 
and uh, you know the duration, the frequency, and everything that goes with that. It's going to be fascinating to see uh, this process evolve with Shohei Otani here in uh, 2018. Well, Otani is not going to be a brewer, but uh, Stephen Vogt and Jeremy Jeffress will be as they both uh, re-up with the club, uh, avoiding arbitration. One-year deals for both, and uh, talk about those signings, Adam. Well, look, I mean, they're club-friendly deals. I don't think there's much doubt about that. And this is uh, – sometimes you can write a story, and it's about a player avoiding arbitration and a possible non-tender. And I think it's the case uh, here in both cases. Now, the, the projections are what they are. They're just projections. But they did come in under what was expected for both. In Jeremy Jefferson's case, the Brewers get a couple of club options. Um, they can pick up those options. They can decline, go into arbitration with them. They can decline, let them go after next season. They have a ton of flexibility, a ton of control over Jeremy Jeffress's future. But I think in both players, it, it's an opportunity to, number one, lock up a job uh, or as close as you can with a non-guaranteed contract, have some certainty of where you're going to go, and go to a place where you had success. Stephen Vogt was very productive when he came over from Oakland. The Brewers got him on waivers last year. And in the case of Jeremy Jeffress, this is like three times now where he's come back to the Brewers <laughs> and had success. You know, he's a, his roots are there. Uh, number one draft pick. Um, obviously, he's had well-documented troubles with some drug suspensions. Um, he's come back, uh, reestablished himself in the organization, became their closer, then got traded to Texas, really struggled there at the start of last year, came back again in the trade, and was pretty good at the end of the year. They're working on him with a splitter, and they think he can be a, a productive reliever in the back end of the bullpen. It's very low risk, I think, in both cases, and there's sort of an opportunity for both sides to come out here uh, you know, with a, with a plus. So for Jeffress especially, that bullpen is, is an area that we haven't talked much about, Matt, in our podcast, but that's an area where they need to do some work this winter um, with Anthony Swarzak in free agency. They need some help in front of Corey Knable, and I think if Jeremy Jeffress gets back to really his, you know, the form he's shown in a Brewers uniform, he could be part of that mix to kind of help get the ball to Corey Knable. Yeah, there seems to be a gravitational pull between Jeffress Absolutely. and the Brewers as they they keep reuniting and it keeps being productive. So uh, it's he's like going to be to the candy store. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, Jeffress back with the Brew Crew yet again here for 2018, along with Stephen Vogt, and we'll see what kind of a a prominent role each of them play for the crew uh, in 2018. Uh, Adam, to begin to wrap up, we're looking back this week at some wheelings and dealings from winter meetings past as the meetings get underway in earnest on Sunday uh, down in Florida. So, Adam, take us all the way back to 1980. Uh, the Brewers acquiring uh, a couple of guys, one a future Hall of Famer that would uh, help form the nucleus of the pennant-winning team uh, just two years later. Yeah, well, the, you know, we're looking at sort of the biggest winter meetings deals in Brewers history. I think technically this one happened after the folks left the hotel in Dallas in 1980, but it was between the Cardinals and Brewers, who would, of course, eventually meet in the 82 World Series. And this trade had a lot to do with that. The Brewers got Raleigh Fingers, of course. He's the Hall of Famer. The mustachioed with the, the, uh, just a, a fan favorite he became here in Milwaukee. Ted Simmons, who a lot of people, including our friend Richard Justice, says should be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, I sort of agree with that. A really great catcher, uh, one of the smartest people I've ever had the pleasure to meet in baseball. We still see him a lot because he scouts the NL Central. And Pete Vukovic, who became the Cy Young Award winner for the Brewers. Um, they got all three of those guys in a big deal with the Cardinals. It cost them six to Lescano, who is a popular player. But really the key to that deal is one of these forgotten prospects, David Green, who was one of the biggest prospects in baseball at that time. And uh, there was some pretty heated discussion in the Brewers' front office at that time. Harry Dalton was their GM. And 
you know, a really sort of back and forth about whether the Brewers should make that trade. You look back on it now, and oh my gosh, what a deal for the Brewers to get these incredibly talented players. But so much was thought of Green at the time. Um, you know, they, the, the, the name Roberto Clemente was tossed around as, wow. a, as a comp for him. So it was a difficult trade for Harry Dalton to make. Obviously, it turned out to be a really spectacular trade from the Brewers' point of view because it propelled them to really their most glorious seasons. And, you know, the one thing about that, as you look back on it, is it, it, it also is sort of a story of the way the winter meetings have changed. I think Whitey Herzog, who was the Cardinals GM at the time, traded like 59 players at those winter meetings. <laughs> Check my math on that, Matt. <laughs> I will. It's a I will. huge, spectacular <laughs> number as he was making uh, remaking that franchise. And, um, you know, it, it's kind of, it harkens back to the days where it was smoke-filled rooms and, you know, lots of bourbon and, and sort of the, the skids were greased and a bunch of trades would happen. Uh, those days have obviously changed. It's now text. It's spreadsheets. Mm. Uh, it's the game operates in a different fashion. And look, not one's not better than the other. Everybody's liver is a little bit more uh, in functioning order yeah, at, at so. this point in time. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, 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 you know, I, I love uh, when I do get to meet up with some of my more veteran sports writer friends and sort of hear them spin stories about winter meetings past because it was. Um, Sounds like it was a lot of fun to be part of. Yeah, a whole different ball game back then. It certainly was, and it seems like it was a little more fun. Not that spreadsheets and databases and stat casts aren't fun, but uh, you know the way you described it back in the '80s, it was just a, a different, a different era back then. And before I let you go, if the Badgers come back to beat the Buckeyes, oh my, uh, I'm sorry. I just I got to get your take though. If they come back and win that game. They have to be in the in the playoff, right? I mean, there's no way the committee could have could have not let them in, correct? No, and my understanding is that's pretty much what they said. Yeah. So, you know, great great season. It stinks when your team goes down, mm-hmm. um, but it, it was fun. It was, um, you know, it was fun to hear them talked about in in the discussion with these just really elite programs with all these great athletic players and. You know, the Badgers do it with a big offensive line and a quarterback who does just enough and always a great running back and then a spectacular defense. Um, there's a bunch of ways to win. We talk about it all the time in baseball. There's a bunch of ways to win in football, too, and, man, they got close. Yeah, they did. They did. They got down early in that game. They came back but didn't have uh, quite enough. Do you agree with the decision to leave Ohio State out and put Alabama in? I, oh, I certainly agree. Exactly. Okay. That's the great decision <laughs> and i know my friend uh born travis shaw will have a nice conversation about that the next time i have the pleasure of being in his company when he uh wants to remind me of the outcome of that wisconsin ohio state game. absolutely uh, yeah i i think they got it right i you know ohio state okay you won your conference champ but the, the four best teams are going to be playing on new year's day i don't think there's uh, any argument there Adam McKelvey, great stuff as always. Uh, We'll do it again soon. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Milwaukee Brewers. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. 
Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 